Hello and welcome to What's in the News. This is a talking media production and I'm Serene Williams. I'm joined today by Winifred Gray Johnson and Jerome Frederick Jr. Today we're talking about why should Liberians speak out against racism? And I'll get more into the context of this conversation, but firstly, let's hear from our guest. Guys, welcome to Talking Media, What's in the News podcast. Thank you. So you guys go one at a time. Winifred, could you introduce yourself just for our audience out there? Yeah, sure. My name is Winifred, and I am one of the members of Talking Media. And I'm really excited to be here today and have this conversation. We're happy to. Jerome? Hi, uh, my name is Jerome Bridget Jr., criminal justice professional, I'm a Liberian, and an advocate for human rights and justice, and a huge soccer fan. I'm really <laughs> excited to talk about this topic today. I look forward to the discussion. Can I cut in? Of course. Jerome had mentioned that he was a Liberian, and I felt like I needed to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm a proud lady. We're about to delete you. We will give you a pass, okay? <laughs> but the idea of this podcast, what's in the news, is to add depth and expanding on conversations around some current events and global news with Liberia as the contextual subject. The topic for today is why should Liberians speak out against racism? On March 25th, George Floyd, an unarmed black man, was allegedly murdered in police custody by four police officers. The surface video of this strategy basically sparked nationwide protests across America and the world at large, unearthing decades-long frustration of police brutality and systemic injustices against black people in America. Jerome, you are in the States and currently at the kernel of all the protests and cry for change. How would you define racism and the current climate out there right now? Racism for me and the context that I've seen it, it's very systemic and it's a prejudice or some form of discrimination that's racially based. And so it's against another racial group and it could go either ways, but mainly it appears in the form of one race thinking they were superior than the other. And it also appeared in the form of policy. There's certain policies that are put in place that limit certain races or a system of government or a doctrine that certain group of people or a party uphold. That doesn't help or further the betterment of the other group because of their race. So for me, that's like a simply put definition that is just about theory that people hold that thinking they're better than other because of their skin color and they are superior to the other race. What's the climate like out there right now? Yeah, the, the climate right now, it's, it's more like it's a time of awareness. And given the fact that a pandemic is happening, there's no sports on TV. There is no regular life. People are home more than usual. So there's no excuse to I don't know what's going on. Oh, I didn't hear it. And that was that was like the excuse then when all these shootings about police brutality and racism against black people is going on. Like no people claim not to hear it. But now it's like you have no excuse, like it's right in your face. So it's either you're aware and you're learning now mm -hmm. or you're just going to like, you know, disregard everything that's been happening for all these years and miss it. So the the climate right now is really about being aware and educating yourself about racism and also about the Black Lives Movement um, that's happening in America. 
Right. Before I go to Winifred, how is this a global issue and why should we care? Jerome. I think it's very obvious because when the clip was released, every human being reacted to the clip as they should. Because what you saw Officer Chauvin do, that picture right there, if you're a human, you respond to it, you know, like every normal human being would. Right. So it was more than just racism. It was like a human rights abuse. It was like, that could be your son, that could be your father, that could be your brother. So it become a global issue now, even after the response of the community and then you see the police reaction. Police are now going violent against their own people to sort of protect. So it's, and then once you see that happening, they be like, oh, so this is not really about race. It's just about the power and control of police and how this is just not good for us as human beings. So, you know what, we're gonna stand with you. This has to stop, this has to have a limit. So I think that's when it became a global issue that we could see that it's just not about this man, it's about somebody else thinking that this person does not deserve life and about the police using their power in yeah. no way that they really shouldn't be. So that becomes all of this because it could happen right in your backyard. I get that. So the Liberian-American connection goes as far back as 1822 when freed slaves and Afro-Caribbeans relocated to the settlement that is now considered Liberia. And... Over the week, we've seen some Liberians at the forefront protesting in America and even in Liberia. In what ways are Liberians directly impacted by the U.S. racial issues, Winifred? For me, and I'm sure there are more reasons, but I want to touch on just three reasons why I think Liberians are directly impacted. One is economically. The reality is Liberia is an economy that depends a lot on remittance, the transfer of money from another country, usually to a developing country, by family members or relatives or friends and supporters, if you will. There are a lot of Liberians who depend on this inflow of cash from their family members who live abroad or their friends who live abroad in the U.S. When Blacks in America do not have equal access to safety, to jobs, livelihoods that promote and excel them, that limits how much they can send back home. In that way, it affects the Liberian economy because people living within Liberia do not have any money. The economy becomes stagnant, right? I do want to make it clear that I'm not saying Liberia depends on remittance. It is one of the factors in which the Liberian economy grows. Right. This is true. Um, so in this way, Liberians living in Liberia should care. The second one I want to touch on is just emotionally, again, outside of financial gains and financial needs, people are concerned about their families. And Jerome is a good example right now. He's within the U.S., but he has family within Liberia who might just be sincerely concerned about his well-being. They could live with fear about how he is being treated and his security within the U.S. So emotionally, it becomes a dream on Liberians living within Liberia who have families in the U.S. The third thing I had wanted to touch on, what Jerome already did, was the global issue, which is just like, the reality is we are all part of this big global network, which is humanity. And to see that and not care, yeah. I, I think you should question yourself, like, what, what kind of human are you? It affects humanity. 
Mm-hmm. And it does, it affects my appearance. So over the course of the week, at the height of everything, some Liberians were protesting at the American embassy in Monrovia. And people on social media were saying, why are you jumping in the people fries? Why are you being concerned about what's happening all the way over there? Librarians can fill up place, you know, making light of the situation. And on the topic of empathy, what are some distinctions between being in solidarity and being victims? So yeah, just yesterday on social media, I saw Black Lives Matter protest in Palestine. And I was like, how in the world? How did it reach to Palestine? And that's just to say that's the power of activism and standing in solidarity. What this simply means when somebody is standing in solidarity with you, it's more like, I hear you, I see what you're going through, and I'm with you in your suffering as I oppose your treatment, your wrong treatment. But whatever it is that you're going through, we are supporting you and this shouldn't be. That's basically what it means. And being a victim of it is... You are first-hand recipient of whatever this wrong treatment is. In the case of Blacks in America, it doesn't matter if you're an immigrant. It doesn't matter if you've been naturalized or if you were born here. Right. As long as your skin color is Black, you are more likely to be a victim of racism. I myself have experienced it, and I never did until I came to this country. So... It's a thing that I'm really, really glad that the entire world is now paying attention to and standing in solidarity. I think everybody, every person, no matter where you are, where you're from, this has gone on too long and it's it shouldn't be just a black person cry. It should be everybody crying. And I think the same goes for every form of injustice. You don't have to be a victim to recognize what is going on. You don't have to be a woman to see what abuse women go through or what they have to endure. As long as it's wrong, as long as you understand that there's a line that needs to be drawn, you ought to stand in support of whatever the person is protesting or or standing up against. You mentioned, Jerome, that you didn't face any form of racism until you moved to the United States. What was that experience like of this new Thing that you're not accustomed to and it seemed yeah. to be so normalized to an extent for me it was all theory you know i read about martin luther king the dream the march civil rights movement all that it was all in the books i i didn't believe honestly that racism was still maybe as bad so i was like it is what it is but the day that i experienced that i still remember the day i was driving and i was in a turn lane and that's where i'm supposed to be And this guy just drove by me in a pickup truck turning in the direction I came from. And he just threw out the N-word and for no reason, like really for no reason. I was was in the lane I was supposed to be in because I was turning. And I was like, what just happened? What did I do really? The only problem there was I was black and I was driving. That's it. He didn't even know that I wasn't even born here. Like I'm not part of whatever problem you have with these people, but that's the reality. As long as your skin color is black, that's all they see. That is crazy. Very crazy. As black people ourselves living in Liberia, how do we give voice to victims of racism without owning their stories or trauma? Winifred? This is where I think it is important to applaud the efforts of people speaking out. I think activism in its truest form can be very powerful and bring about change. 
And so it is important to applaud the efforts that Liberians are taking to speak up against racism. And I think this is what a lot of people are trying to get at without knowing how to voice it. I think there needs to be a clear line that says, I am in solidarity with you, but this is not my reality. Because the truth is, it is not the reality of Liberians within Liberia. And, you know, and oftentimes people come back at this discourse with this um, idea of colonization, right? Obviously, Liberia has suffered and continues to suffer from the effects of colonization. I don't want to say negative effects. I think colonization is a negative thing. Yep. So oftentimes, the first thing that Liberians within Liberia who have not experienced racism, the thing they draw at is... Well, but colonization is still happening and Liberians are still being treated inferior in boardrooms when they're outside of Liberia or, and all that stuff. And while that is true, that does not make racism our reality. So stand up, use your voice, please, by all means, speak out against negative things that are happening in the world. But don't own other people's stories because what happens then is that the impacts of the seat that you're even trying to bring about Guess what? You've taken the spotlight from people who are actually victims of racism. And that thing is not fun. I've experienced it. I've been exposed to it. But I miss the naivety that I had prior to my travels abroad. It is such a blessing to not have this reality. Yeah. And it is important that people recognize that you do not want this to be our reality. Why would you Why would you even want to make this your story? I get um, that. Because you and I had a conversation, I think, last week on it. And I was telling you how stressed and sad and overwhelmed I was with all that's happening in the news pertaining to the George Floyd death. And you're like, but why are you doing that to yourself? Because I was up at 3 a.m. crying. Yeah. And I I, mean, I haven't been to the States before ever. That's a good thing that you've brought up and I should touch on it, is that people need to, to study and maybe just read it and familiarize themselves with, with theories such as secondary trauma and, and be so empathetic that it can actually be harmful to your own self, to your, to your mental health, to your physical health. And, and it's not selfish to create boundaries that protects you. It actually is the positive thing to do. Because if you are downhearted, then guess what? You're not able to come in the ring and fight and use your voice. Because now you're so overwhelmed with something that, again, it is not your reality. So you need to protect yourself. And so I think Liberians need to recognize that the care, and I take pride in how passionate Liberians, um, at least on my feed, have been about speaking out against racial discrimination, but you've got to be able to say the truth is within Liberia, from my day-to-day life, I am not afraid that I'm going to be called the N-word, in a negative way that is. I am not afraid that I'm going to be pulled over by the police because of the color of my skin. Mm -hmm. I am not afraid that I'm going to be discriminated against for a job because of the color of my skin. Liberia has its discrimination problems. We know this. For racial inequality, come on. Let's not make that our story. Jerome, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, there's something I was saying I definitely agree with Winifred. Because the thing here is, like, with it being 
a traumatic experience, there's different effects of trauma. And inadvertently, a Liberian themselves could become racist because of mm. how they now view white people. So a white person could go to Liberia because of a trauma, like, yo, if I don't act in a certain ways, again, this person, they're about to take advantage of me, they're about to, you know, abuse me or whatever, say things to me. So I must be on my defense. The offense, I mean, you know, I must be aggressive about this. And then you yourself, you turn yourself into a racist. There are black people in this country who are racist themselves, but they don't believe it. They think that it's my duty to be aggressive the way I am. It's my duty to, you know, see them the way I see them. We actually see them for what they are. True, that's what they are. But by you doing that, you in turn make yourself a racist. Yeah. You know, so it, that's, I think, another thing that we need to be careful of, you know, because we could easily see ourselves hating white people only because they're white. And that is racist. While Jerome was talking, something that he brought to my mind is the danger of, of the alteration of our mindset. And I think there is this fear that I have that with so much access to information as a result of globalization, we run the risk of altering our very cognitive beliefs at the core. It's what Jerome talks about. We run the risk of ourselves being racist. We run the risk of maybe even looking down on our own selves. Jerome and I were having a conversation about how I grew up in Liberia and the ways how I saw myself. And the insecurities I can admit that I have now that I didn't even have. I mentioned the idea that we nicknamed ourselves Black Diamonds and Black was the highlight of what beautiful means. You know, like the compliments I got from guys, <laughs> my little boyfriends here and there. Well, you know, it was like... The ring on the neck, part. the open teeth. Jerome is definitely yes. an open teeth beauty. <laughs> <laughs> I've known you, sorry, all my life. I went through a phase where I envy how black you are. I wanted to be your complexion. It was what was cool. Fast forward to I'm in the U.S. and in my in my, my psyche, right? I'm trying to question like, what is it with being black? Should I be lighter? Should I, you know, stay out of <laughs> stay out of the sun? What's going on? It starts to slowly slip into your psyche. We should just be aware we should care right but we should also be aware of the negative impacts that this can have on our psychics whether that is making us racist ourselves or making us look down on our own color and and, you know just the beautiful people that we are you spoke about activism before what lessons can we learn from the mass protests against systemic racism in the u.s jerome would you like to go first yeah, there's a lot to learn there. And I think probably the most important is there's power in your voice. There's power to your voice. There's power in your cause, whatever it is. And you should never be afraid to speak up. You should never be afraid to start a movement. You could be the only one for a while. Like Black Lives Movement, actually, honestly, if I have to be 100% honest, when it started, I didn't understand it. And I thought it wasn't a good thing. Because I was like, why would you say Black Lives Matter? Like, does that mean everybody else's life doesn't matter? But, and then what happened is I educated myself. I had to like, if I am against this thing, I have to know enough to actually be against it. So when I started to learn more about it and I was like, wait, 
this actually makes sense. They are the ones who are in trouble now. Their house is burning. They need the attention. Okay, so that's the way it is. So that's what happens with activism. You don't have to die down when you don't have support. You don't have to stop being active in your cause once you don't have people following. If you're going to be alone doing it, do it. And in time, somebody else will see what you're preaching. Somebody else will listen. Somebody else will join you. And once you have that, your movement, it continues. And you never stop learning and you never stop applying yourself. That's what this is happening because I never thought the Black Lives Movement would be a global issue, but now it is. And that's just, for me, myself, that's the lesson I got out of this. Like, whatever it is that you believe in, whatever it is, it's your cause. You never stop preaching for it. You never stop reaching. You never stop creating allies for yourself. How can we channel this to our own realities of discriminations here in Liberia? Ethnic divides, rape, sexual and gender-based violence. Winifred? I think, yeah, education. But also, it is a good time to take a step back and see what has worked for this movement. That is the BLM movement. See what has worked. See the tools that they have used. See what has been helpful for them. See how we can apply these same mechanisms to fight the discrimination that you mentioned, uh, sorry, that we have in Liberia. I think this is a great moment to learn a lot from these people and their fight and your struggles and use that to push our fight going. Another lesson we can learn is that Liberians should not just care because we are Black people, right? We should care because we're human beings and we're part of the global war. It's also the same, it's the same argument that I usually give my male counterparts. Oftentimes, people find themselves willing to listen when you make it in a way how it affects them. So the, the conversation around rape, right, is always, well, she could be a sister. She could be a mom. And the reality is, I think we need to step back from that mindset. Rape is wrong. She could not be your sister. Actually, she's not your sister. She's not your mom, but she's a woman and she's a human and she and she should have equal access to protection and the dignity that we should allow all human beings. Not care because it is your problem. You know what? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Care because you have love for humanity and you hold humans with integrity. If I were ask too, the whole movement and what they're calling for, they're not just protesting alone. They're also outlining things that they want to see change. They're outlining policies, uh, procedures within police department on how, you know, they're run or how they apply their use of force uh, policy. You know, they're asking for those things to change. And I think that's also very important. A lot of times people just want to go out and protest. And a lot of the protests are now, if we're being honest, they don't know half of the things that they're demanding. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's cool because the number, there's voice with the number, but it's also important to have a cause. So yeah. at the end of the day, what do you want to see happen? What do you want to see change? So in the context of Liberia with tribalism or ethnic divides and, and rape and sexual-based violence, do not just come out with everything you see wrong. Bring solutions to the table mm-hmm. because then now you demand people who are listening to you to act. One of my favorite leaders and judges, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she said, fight for the things that you care about, but please do it in a way that would lead others to join you. If somebody wants to join you, they have to see things that you already have in place. They have to see things that make sense. They have to see things that are actually encouraging. So you just do not come out, show up to a protest, 
with a placard or a poster card and that's it. You ought to know what you want to see change. So I think that's an important lesson that we have to learn too. You know, being wow. organized and actually being very intentional about what is wrong and what it is that you want to see happen right. Being organized so, and intentional, that's such an important message. Guys, thank you for this conversation, really. This virtual Atai shop. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're thankful to you for providing us the space to have this dialogue in a meaningful way. So thank you, really. That's what yeah, we're here you. for. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you all for listening. This has been What's in the News, a Talking Media production. You can follow us by checking out our website, talkingmedia.com. That's T-A-L-K-A-Y-M-E-D-I-A.com. Or on Instagram, Twitter at T-A-L-K-8, the number 8-N-A. That's T-A-L-K-8-N-A or every other social platform. You can also find our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another important What's in the News. Bye-bye.